This morning I want to talk about waiting again in this theme that we've embarked on a few weeks ago. And today we're going to talk about waiting steadfastly. I don't think there's been a time in any culture or any time in history where steadfastness is not needed more than it's needed today. Another word for steadfastness is stability. We need to be able to stand. And to do that, we have to be steadfast. Steadfast means determined. Steadfast means to be uh, consistent, persistent even. And certainly we need to embrace that today as we think about this. Here we find in God's word, who have been delivered from their bondage in Egypt, who have been exposed to the great and yet we find they have drifted from God. You know that God makes a great dramatic call, a surprising call to Hosea the prophet. And he says to him, go marry a prophet, Gomer. But all in all, the Gomer, the prostitute, being Israel, who have drifted away from God. And yet, of all the, God's love was steadfast. Though we have drifted and are prone to drift so far from Him, what a mighty merciful God we have. You know, maybe we can go back to the call of saying that cliche that said sometime, this is the way we've always done it being our last words. Maybe they be, need to be our first words. Maybe we need to go back to the old past, to the steadfastness of following God and stop being manipulated by everything this world has to offer. Stop being influenced more by our feelings than we are the truth of God. I tell you, God is serious about us being steadfast, determined, we ought to be more determined than any people in the world. We ought to be consistent with our faith of God, following Him, trusting Him. And so we think it shows us a shadow and type, even though it's Old Testament. You think of a figure of election, of God's chosen people. That's how we come into salvation. God chooses us. And yet, that doesn't keep us from needing to maintain our steadfastness and our faith. We are not in a do-nothing puppet-type religion. Religion is not about opinions. It's about the truth of God. It's about being determined enough to stay with God no matter what. It will test your faith, but it will bring you more grace than anything else in the world. You will see that in your life. It always is a God's people has always been awaiting people. In your loved ones, in your family, with God for sure, is there's a waiting period there. That's what God has called us to do. But we need to be determined to do that. You know that ant never quits. And then it goes down and it gets it again. It goes back up. Keeps going. Keeps going. Finally it gets it away. I don't know where it was taken. But you know what? That is, that is a measure of being steadfast. Not that ant, steadfast. Success is not measured by what the world says success is. Sometimes we drop the ball, but you know we need to go back and get it. We need to go back to God and, and bless it. And that's what Israel needed to do. 
God is not going to sweep our sins under the rug. It will be dealt with in one or two ways. Every sin we've ever committed or will. Either we'll go to hell for it, or we'll have it dealt with on the cross of Calvary. And when God gives you the grace of understanding what Jesus has done for you, we need to know that the cross is where our sin debt has been paid. And we need to be steadfast from then on. Do not let the devil quibble about life and make you think you're a failure, you can't do this or that. You pick up that corn or that grain of oats, and you go back up that pole. It's a steadfastness. It's not drifting downstream. It's going up to God. May God help us to see that today. I think there's at least four truths I want to share with you from this text about steadfastness and about waiting to be steadfast. Number one is testing produces steadfastness. Testing always produces steadfastness. Number steadfastness rather. Number two, time reveals steadfastness. We're living in a world that's instant. Nobody likes to wait for anything. God will cause us to wait. So time reveals steadfastness. Are you steadfast in your faith with God? With God. Well, I'm going to tell you time will test it. Are you sincere about your love for one another? Time will reveal that steadfastness. And then we want to see too, thirdly, that truth is the foundation of steadfastness. Jesus Christ is our steadfastness. And he has glued us to him. And he will assure us that he will never let us fail ultimately. And so we need to bless the truth and put our roots down deep in the truth. So when the winds of problems come, we can, even though we've been with it, we straighten back up after it's all gone. And we're standing there with God. And then fourthly, I want to talk about trust. Just briefly, because trust is really the purpose of steadfastness. Israel's problem was not trusting God. When you don't trust God, you get yourself in a mess, okay? What happened to Israel was they were not able to go to the promised land. Many of them, most of them even, died in the wilderness. Why did they do that? They did that because they did not believe God. Do you believe God? Then your steadfastness will be the purpose that God will show you what he's doing in your life. I said this before and I want to say it again. The waiting period that God has called us to wait on is often more important with what God is doing to us then than he does when it's all over. Watching that ant in the barn did more for me than what happened when the guy finally got there. When you wait for God, you wait expectantly. You wait prayerfully. You wait, though, watching God and what he's doing in you. The unseen hand of God is consistently moving in our lives. We are not serving a do-nothing God. God notices what happened to Ephraim and Judah and Israel. And he says, I'm going to tell you, there's some struggles. And yet, what they were doing, they were depending on the Assyrians for help. We are in a time in our nation where we need to depend on God for help. 
Too long we're depending on everything else. Not the church, not religion, not our families, but we have to cry out to Jesus. He is our help, and we have to be steadfast with that in our lives. We are living in a critical time. May God help us. I want to tell you a true story. Not long ago, a few weeks ago, we decided to do a little foundation building behind our house. We're going to put a screen porch there so I can sit on it when I'm older and still see the trees and hear the birds. And so we did a foundation and we poured some concrete. And uh, there's a young man there, James Bowen. Some of you may know him. Brought his crew there. Young man. Married. Has a son. And uh, I mean, those guys get there before daylight. I'd be in there today and I hear people talking. They're out there waiting for it to get daylight to go to work. And so he did, does the work. Does good work. And uh, when we were there, he asked me. I guess he knew I used to do some tree work. He said, you know, uh, Mr. Randy, I'd like you to come look at some trees with me on my place when you can, if you still do any of that. I said, I always like to look at trees. So I go out there the other day, last week. He has a few hundred acres, and, and uh, we were just riding. And he told me, he said, you know, I wouldn't have all this if it wasn't for my daddy. I said, you know, I remember your daddy. His daddy was Willie Bowen down at Brooklyn. And your daddy died young, didn't he? He said he did. He had pancreatic cancer. And I said, I remember hearing about that. He never took any treatment, did he, for it? He said, no. He said he asked the doctor. He said, doctor, what would you do? And the doctor said, you know, I wouldn't do anything. Uh, he said, all oh, that chemo is going to just make your pain linger. And he said, how many months have I got to live? He said, you got three months, I think. That's what I would say. And I want to say, I want to say this because it's true. And young son told me, he said, you know, my daddy never quit working. My daddy set me down the next day and said, son, I'm sick. I'm going to die. He says, now you have to watch me. If you're going to be in this business, you're going to learn it. Because I'm not going to be around long to teach you. You're going to have to learn it. He said, you know, my daddy would, at night would take me in the kitchen table and, and show me how to figure jobs. I mean, this guy doesn't have a college degree. But he said, my daddy showed. And he said, you know, he said, right now, he said, he told me all the things that God had blessed him to have. He said, but I would not have had this without my daddy. And I know that's a temporary lesson, temporal rather. But I, I see that Jesus in there. Jesus Christ lived not long on this earth. But he said to his disciples, and he said, look here, I'm going to the cross. Well, you're going to have to learn this. What Jesus wants you to learn and me to learn is steadfastness. And I want to tell my children that are here and that are not, and I believe that you do, it doesn't matter what you think I give you in life, Faith and Kelsey and Sarah and whoever else. I want you to know, though, that this sinner wants to know that God, is, and wants you to know he is the center of life. He is what makes you steadfast. He is why you go to work in the morning. He is why you love your wife or husband. He is why you provide. He is the reason for all things. You be steadfast. And you know what? One day, you'll look around and say, what God has given me. Just like James Bowen. It's because of somebody else. Somebody steadfastness. Because Jesus steadfastly fixed his face 
on Jerusalem. The Bible says that. He was going to the cross, and he was steadfast in what he was going to do. And you know, we need to be steadfast. We don't need to drift. I want to go ahead and say some things about it. The point. Number one is, testing produces steadfastness. That's what happened to James Bowen. And that's what happens to you. You remember the story of Ruth. We read these, book, these places in marriages sometimes. These are some favorite scriptures of couples that are about to embark on a relationship that certainly calls for steadfastness. And we see that in the book of Ruth in the first chapter. You remember Naomi? And you remember the testing where she lost her husband and uh, daughter-in-law's husband, which is Naomi's sons, died. And you remember Naomi was going back to her homeland. And Ruth was a Moabite. And you know, that, that, is, that is a Gentile. That's not, but, but yet God was going to use this woman, Ruth, to be in the lineage of David. Because Jesse was going to come, and then Jesse, Obed rather, father of Jesse and Jesse of David. I want you to know that your steadfastness, that you're facing the tests and trials to try to disrupt your steadfastness, God is working under that to bring goodness out of it. Number one is, so Ruth says to Naomi, or Naomi to Ruth, you don't want to go with me. She said, oh, yes, I do. I want to tell you what, do you want to go with Jesus? Do you really want to follow Jesus? Because if you're not willing to be steadfast, you just as well call the dogs in, okay? Because you know what? God's called you to be steadfast. And it's not a use to, to try to make it rosy. You don't need to tell somebody a lie just to get them to come to Christ. You tell them the truth. Because God is working in your heart, and he will give you the steadfastness to put your anchor down in God. Okay? So here's what she says. In verse 16 of Ruth chapter 1, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee, for whither thou goest, I will go. Whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Now that's steadfastness. I'm going to do it. Not because it feels good, but because I believe what you believe, uh, Naomi. I believe in you because I have watched your life. You know, when I see people that so wishy-washy, you know, some people just tell you something to make you feel good. They'll lie to you just to get your business. We're living in a country where politicians stand, whether you're Democrats or Republicans, and for goodness sake, I don't know who's telling the truth. I'm afraid all of them's lying. What I've got to do is figure out where the lie is. I mean, that's the kind of world we're living in. Jesus will not lie to you. He says he ever liveth to make intercession for you. Jesus' love is steadfast. It is not going to change. Because you commit a sin. It is not going to stop because you don't do something. Jesus' love is steadfast. He said, I'm going to do it. Where thou diest, I will I die. And where thou be buried, the Lord so do so to me. And more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Here's what Naomi said. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. I'm going to tell you, make your, mind, make your mind up to be steadfast with God. 
And this is not automatic. You got to wait for testing as where it reveals um, or produces, rather, steadfastness. That's what it is. The struggles strengthens your faith that you're going through. That's what you're going through, okay? So we see that and we bless God. See, what we don't know about this thing, this is what makes steadfastness so important. We don't know the good that God is going to work out of this. Job didn't know that. Ruth didn't know that. Peter didn't know that. You don't know it. You don't know, too, why you're going through what you're going through. You don't know why. You don't know why this happened. And then thirdly, you don't know how long it's going to last. We don't know how long this pandemic is going to last. I don't know. What we do know, though, is that God is producing steadfastness. We do know that. We do know that because we see that in our lives. Look at Romans 5 and verse 3 and 4 in the New Testament. Here the apostle Paul is saying to the church at Rome and to us, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation, troubles, testing. Not that tribulation knowing, this is what we know, that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience. And experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Tribulation worketh patience. Look again with me. I'm still in the New Testament. Catch you flipping a lot, I know. But uh, James, in uh, James chapter 1, here's where God says it. We're talking about steadfastness and that testings produce it. He says there in Verse 3 of the first chapter of the book of James, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. See, the trials we're going is there's things we can't do anything about. You can kick and scream all you want. But the best thing to do is just wait and let God. God is working these things out. Now don't just try to do what you don't know. Go on what you know. Go on what you know. That's the steadfast faith that you have. But let patience, in verse 4, have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire and wanting nothing. See, that's the work of the testing and the producing of steadfastness. That we're content. Be content with such things that you have. You know what? We're not arrived yet. We're not going to be perfect on earth. But you know, thank God we're not what we used to be. We ought to be thankful for that. So testing produces steadfastness. Number two, time reveals steadfastness. The time is what we have a problem with. We try to get ahead of God. We want to do God's work. That's what Israel is going to do here in Jose. They want to say, no, I don't want to wait on you, God. I'm going to call the Assyrians. You know, that's what the Israelites did. You don't remember Moses went to get the second table of the law? And he stayed gone too long. And he said, look, I don't know what become of this man, Moses. I can't see. They weren't steadfast in believing God. So they said to Aaron, let's make us a golden calf and worship it. I mean, 
and God got really upset about that. He was about to destroy his whole nation until Moses intervened. God likes steadfastness because it's a way that he's conforming us to Christ. Okay? You know, Abraham and Sarah, God promised them the son Isaac in their old age. They didn't believe him. So they said, I'm going to get, uh, Sarah said, I tell you what, Abraham, let's don't wait on God any longer. Here's a handmaid. Uh, my handmaid said, you, you have a relationship with her and we'll get a baby like that. Maybe that's what God wants. You know what? God is not going to deter. He's never changing. He said it, and he, he believes it. God is going to, when God says something, he believes it. He wants you to believe it. I'll never really forget uh, uh, Sister Eugenia Newman, Bama's mama, uh, here at CBS. These ladies were telling me. I mean, they'd be discussing scripture, and there'd be several denominations represented which is so good for Christian study. And so they would have a question about a text. Sister Eugenia Newman, many of you knew her just in her quietness, says everybody else would be kind of wanting to share their opinion. She says, well, let's see what the Lord says about it. What does God say? You see, that is steadfast. So, so Abraham and, and, and Sarah, you know, they're going to get this baby, and they got Ishmael. And it turned out to be more trouble and, and all that. But God even had a purpose in this. Amazing. But time reveals our steadfastness. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, the very last verse of the resurrection chapter in the Bible. I tell you, if anything ought to promote our steadfastness, knowing that we serve a living God. I tell you, one of the things that would disappoint me more than anything else is not because I don't preach a good sermon. I hardly ever do but rather that I'm not steadfast at wanting to. And I'm not steadfast at understanding that I need to be holy, try to live a life that God has called me to live. I failed in that a lot. You probably do too. But we have something called confession. That's what God's calling Israel to do. And that's what we need to do and show our steadfastness. Repentance is not a one-time thing, I promise you. Okay, 1 Corinthians is where I was going. Chapter 15. Here's what it says. Last verse, chapter, verse 58, I believe is the right one. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Therefore, what does that mean? What's going on before? Christ has died for your sins. That's what. Therefore, be steadfast. You know how you're going to have to deal with the devil? You've got to deal with him until we get to heaven, by the way. Peter says that we need to resist him. We need to be steadfast. We need to be motivated for steadfastness. Because he will knock you for a loop if you let him. So he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, un unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's what understanding steadfastness here we see is immovable. Don't be drifting around. Don't let the world jerk you around in life, your friends or your culture, okay? I, I, I remember when I used to try to swim in the ocean. I used to love to go down there. Tybee, we take the kids and go down there some, some beach. And, and uh, it don't take you long to drift. 
I mean, you can get yourself in a mess. You can just drift away from, from where you start. And you don't have to do anything much to do it. I'm going to tell you, your life, if you don't hunker down with God, I don't know of a better illustration of, of steadfastness than the song we sang manifested, an anchor. Hebrews 6.19 says that the anchor is, <clears throat> God's truth is the anchor of our soul. We need to put our anchor down. And we need to know that if we don't, we're going to drift. But it doesn't matter when you have your anchor because that anchor is Christ. And what a blessing that is. But time reveals steadfastness. It really does in our life. Thirdly, truth is the foundation of steadfastness. Did you know that God is never going to let you go? Did you know that Jesus Christ is our steadfastness? I want you to look at a couple scriptures here. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14. You got time to turn there with me? Please do if you can. Hebrews 3, 14. Here's what it says. For we, in verse 14 of chapter 3 of Hebrews, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. See, God has made us partakers. It's not some de decision we make. It's not us being excited. I'm going to accept Jesus today. No, God has made you a partaker. And we are anchored in it, just like that concrete foundation that God laid in my house. He's got bricks. Some guy put bricks around the edge of it. He did that with mortar. And I'm going to tell you, you can go kick it if you want to. You can hit it all you want to. The wind can blow and the eyes can come. It's not going to move. God is made you a protector of Christ. You're in Christ. And what does that mean? It means what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 32, 40. You don't have to turn there. It will probably overwhelm me if we really embraced it. But here's what God said. Here's what I wanted you to know. That truth is the foundation of steadfastness. And Jesus Christ is the truth. He is the only truth. And the truth will make you free. The truth will make you steadfast. Not only did Jesus die for our sins, he died to make us steadfast. Jeremiah 32, 40 prophesied that and said, I will make an everlasting covenant with them, that I will not turn away from them. God is not going to turn away to do them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. Judah said that we're... Are book of Jude, verse 24, says that we are made able to stand by God. He will not let us fall. Man, that's a blessing. That is to make us motivated to be steadfast in our ways. So we see that truth is the foundation of steadfastness. Now you can go out if you want to and try to cut a bunch of trees of life down. But I remember the story one time of this woodcutter. And he cut trees. Now he did that for a living. And he just kept cutting it. He just seemed like he wasn't making any progress. He cut harder than he ever cut before. But he still wasn't making much progress. Yet he looked at it and said, what am I doing wrong? And somebody come up and said, have you sharpened your axe lately? Have you sharpened your axe lately? Are you abounding in the work of God? What I want to ask you is, what are you doing for Jesus Christ? Right now in your life, this abounding work, this steadfast immovable, 
No, I'm not talking about works to get saved. I'm talking about works because you are. What are you doing to manifest what a blessing God has given you to make you a protector of Christ, to make a covenant such as he has that he will never leave you? Because I'm going to tell you, my friends, if you are indeed one of God's and you try to run away from him and you try to deny him, you will face the chastening hand of God. And you're talking about steadfastness. You're talking about the need of the, the blessings of God and understanding that you'll need it more than ever. May the Lord help us to see that and bless us in our lives. It's the foundation. And you know, trust is the purpose of steadfastness. That's what God says, you turn unto me. I want you to say this. You know, we can all get out of line very, very easy. Some of us drift further than others. But you know what? God has always said, you come to me. Turn. Zechariah 9, verse 11 and 12, the call is there, turn ye to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. That's who we need to turn to. We need to turn to Jesus. We need to turn to him. That means we're turning away from something else, and we go to Jesus, steadfastly trusting him, believing him, that he says, if he says, come, Lord, I come. Whatever happens in your life, you trust him. You be steadfast in that trust. You know, there were some disciples that Jesus says, get on the boat, Matthew 14. Jesus went up the mountain to pray. He was maintaining his steadfastness. Prayer always does that. So the disciples got on the boat, and no sooner they got in the middle of the sea, the storm came. They got so bent out of shape. But yet they were right where Jesus told them to be. Do not be bent out of shape. Don't be so upset. Don't be just uh, flighty, impulsive. Rather understand that Jesus has called you, and there will be trials and tribulations. And so you just be steadfast. You just keep looking to God. You just keep trusting Him. Because one thing about it, God always honors when we trust Him. And you know what? When we trust Him by repenting, there's no greater manifestation of trusting God, listen to me now, than a sincere repentance of God. That's saying, you know what? I'm a sinner. I am a sinner, God. I have nothing I can do. We're no way we can be steadfast unless God helps us. It's not by human effort. Effort. It's totally by God. You know, when I plant my garden this spring, I'm going to plant the seed if God lets me. And you know what? That's the seed. That's what repentance does. But I'm not going to come out there the next day with my bucket expecting to pick corn and peanuts or peas. I'm not. You've got to let it grow. You've got to say repentance. That child that's a wayward in your family, you pray. And you ask when they were, don't you think that you're going to repent and all of a sudden things are going to be hunky-dory and it's going to happen like that. You've got to wait. You've got to wait steadfastly. You've got to trust in God that he's doing a miracle. You know, in that little garden, I kept, I walk out there every day after I plant. I can't wait to see the little seeds sprout. I know they're coming. He's going to win. But I believe it. And you cultivate that. You trust God. Whether that's a nation or a people or family or you personally, you turn to God. And you turn now because we need stability. We need steadfastness in our lives today more than ever. May the Lord bless you. Would you say a prayer with me? Lord, we pray that you bless us to be steadfast men and women. We thank you, Lord, for giving us everything we need to be that way and even, Lord, causing it. 
You were steadfast before we were, just like you loved us first. But could there be any greater way to show our love for you than steadfastness? Than to just be able to say, wait, God, help me wait on you. All of us, Lord, would like things to be so different probably in our life. We'd like to say things were different in our world. But we know, Lord, that you're working something we don't know. What you're doing. But we believe you're doing it. When it all comes out, it will make us stronger Christians. Help us to be steadfast, not castaways. Help us to be like the Apostle Paul when the ship was going down. He said, be of good cheer, sir. I believe God. May we believe you, Heavenly Father. Give us faith. Increase it, even if it takes trials and struggles to do it. We love you. We trust you. Thank you, God, for the men and women you put in our life, our friends and family who have, who have been and are steadfast. What a great witness. Oh, how we need that. Lord, that lighthouse is not going to move. We need to, closer to you, in our steadfast love and devotion. In Jesus' name I pray.